Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stack Podcast. I'm Mark Bruno, Managing Director at the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And I am very, very excited to have our guest on here today, Karina Diamond, who is the Chief Experience Officer at Dakota Wealth Management. Karina is an old friend who I have not spoken to in a couple of years. So not only am I thrilled to hear what she has to say about the future of technology and how it's helping to reshape her firm and the business, I'm excited to reconnect as well. So Karina, thank you very much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Mark. So as we do on the Wellstack podcast, we do not waste time. We just jump right in. Um, I think there's a lot that you've done at Dakota over the past couple of years, whether it's from an M&A perspective or from a technology perspective, that have really helped you know, advance your business and move you to you know, top of the list when we think about elite firms in the industry. Uh, before we get into some of the specifics, I would love to just start with an overview of your role, right? As the chief experience officer, it's not a title that I'm all that familiar with, and I don't know that many of our listeners are. So would you mind maybe give me a brief overview of your role and also the evolution of, of it as well? Yes, happy to, Mark. So Dakota Wealth actually launched about three and a half years ago. And about two and a half years ago, I merged my firm, Springside Partners, into Dakota. And um, one of the reasons that I did it was because I, I saw the growth potential, which we can get into. What was so special about this opportunity was that I could continue to be an advisor, but I could also take on some executive responsibilities in overseeing organic growth for the whole firm. So that's really what the chief experience officer title is all about. It's overseeing organic growth, which tactically means caring and nurturing and feeding all of the advisors and all of the client-facing folks at the firm. And that's something that comes very naturally to me. Uh, it's sort of a, if you think about medicine, and there, there's a lot of concern about the caregivers getting burned out, and they do a lot of programs for the people on the front lines. And it's very similar at Dakota. We spend a ton of time and energy and effort making sure that we are caring for the caregivers, so the people that are actually caring for the clients, so that they're as healthy and resilient and feeling as good as they can before they get up every day and have to do the very, very important work that they do for clients. So it, that's a great starting point because it's clear that, you know, the advice and service is at the core, the center of your offering at Dakota. Uh, and with the Wellstack podcast, that's the way we think about each and every episode is let's start with wealth, but also what role does technology have in improving the either the delivery of wealth um, or the operational aspects of it? Um, so I'm curious, when you look at the client experience and the way Dakota and its advisors work with their clients right now, what would you say if you look back you know, since you joined, um, what would you say about how the client experience has changed and evolved? And what are some areas where you're noticing that you're making particularly notable pros progress in some of the organic growth that you're experiencing? So we're a big believers that for, for every person who works at Dakota, we try to really drill down, you know, what is the essence of your role? And let's really capture that and focus on that and, and, and support you on that. And then let's try to delegate everything else. So if you think about being an advisor and which is client facing, so you need all the support so that you can do that wonderful organic growth. We try to take everything off of the advisor's plate except for that direct client contact. So partly through technology, partly through marketing and other communication, 
we try to take everything off of advisors who join us so they don't have to run their payroll in 401k anymore. Um, if they would like to continue running their portfolios, they can, but that can be delegated as well. Um, one of my mentors years ago said to me, you know, Karina, your best, your best skill is really not being an advisor. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I'm a great advisor. And he said, yeah, but you're a leader and you're a communicator. And so that's what I, I try to spend my time in that space, but it's kind of different. It's kind of different for everybody. Curious, when you've done that with your advisors, when you've taken some of those operational responsibilities off of their plate and they can spend more time with clients directly, um, is there anything that you've noticed just about you know, the relationship and the dynamics? I mean, has it evolved and where have they been adding more value, right? your advisors in the advisor-client relationship? Our advisors are freed up to do what they have a passion for. So, for example, um, we have a great female advisor up in New Hampshire, Marilyn Rios, and she has a passion for helping women and um, does just a series of uh, different initiatives focusing on women. Some of it is to low-income women. And, um, you know, if she was busy running, like she doesn't run her own portfolios, she delegates that to, to our chief investment officer and that, and that strategy group. If she was in the weeds, which she's brilliant, she certainly could be smart enough to do her own portfolios, but she wisely decided that, hey, what I'd like to do is be in front of clients, doing my seminars, and of course, doing my client reviews, um, and her business has grown substantially. Um, my, own, my own practice in Akron, uh, when we joined, we were about $270 million in assets only about two and a half years ago. And we're getting close to half a billion in less than three years, about two and a half years. And I would say it's because I've been freed up from a lot of the the yucky stuff that I don't really want to be doing. I can do it, but I don't really want to be doing it. Uh, And now I can be out networking, working on getting referrals. And then also my my passion, which is uh, nurturing and, and supporting the other advisors. Excellent. No, I'm glad to hear that you've had the success and your advisors have had the success that you just described. Um, I, I am also very curious as you look back at the last you know, year and a half or so, right? Um, and you go back to the start of COVID um, when overnight, essentially an entire industry you know, went virtual and remote. Um, you talk about the client experience and be, being able to be out, right? Getting more referrals, being with clients more. Um, how did you adapt you know, and pivot you know, when the world went virtual last March? And how did you notice that there were changes in the advisor-client relationship as a result of you know, some of the technology that you put in place? So we had been with Dakota for eight or nine months when the pandemic and the shutdown happened. And I have to tell you that I looked up every day and said, thank you for having joined Dakota because of the tech stack. And um, while we certainly were using, you know, Redtail and, and, and other technology, <clears throat> being a smaller firm at the time, we didn't have the deep pockets to invest in other technology, for example, like Tamarack, OS33, you know, other things that, that, that Dakota had because they were a bigger firm. Just also, practically speaking, Dakota um, has, has a process that Every advisor has a laptop and a desktop. So in your office, there's a desktop and you have a laptop at home. And at the time I thought, well, gosh, just give me a laptop. I don't need both. You know, that's wasting money. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and and right. not only did I have the laptop at home, but I also had a printer already at home with a fax machine that I also didn't think I was really going to need until, until that happened. 
so um, we as a firm didn't really miss a beat. And we, we, we continued with um, taking care of each other um, through, we, we actually started something that we would meet every day at 4.15 uh, after the market closes. And it, and it became called the 4.15. And we would have a call about something other than the market. Um, so we would play games, we would put on funny sunglasses or hats or just just do weird things, but just do things to just break the tension and remain connected with each other. And then we also were extremely proactive with client communication. So I ran that sort of, I'm going to call it crisis communication during that time uh, where we would, um, you know, every month or so, you know, we didn't want to overwhelm clients, but every mm-hmm. month or so we would put something out in writing um, that went out to all clients. And then in the meantime, um, the, all the advisors were just hitting it, hitting it hard um, on the phone and um, really making sure we were reaching out. And our business grew substantially during that time. It's incredible because, you know, we've had a few guests on the podcast who have shared a similar experience. It's always a little different, right? How they were able to attract new clients and also gain trust when you don't have the opportunity to really sit down, break bread and meet with people face to face. But, you know, I'm not surprised because it's all the companies that had the right processes, the right technology, and obviously the right people in place. And I'm curious now that we're hopefully, and who knows, but emerging from COVID, what do you think you'll take with you? Right? When I say you, I mean the Dakota team, um, as we kind of get back to whatever the new normal may look like. So one thing we really learned, um, one one big lesson that we really learned was the importance of staying in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. So every office is different. You know, we all have you know our own cultures and and uh, mores in our own offices. But as a firm, we still gather. Um, we still have a monthly call, the four fifteen. But what it's morphed into is an interview. So we typically uh, will interview you know, possibly a new person that joined the firm. It could be a fascinating client. It could be a board member. Um, but we do these um, virtually. And uh, I have to tell you, they, they have become a huge focus and, and a sort of a bonding agent for us. Um, we've also done, we, we literally just um, a couple of days ago, Sunday, we had our virtual holiday party. Because again, trying to keep with that theme of keeping us all together, even though we're in many yeah. different places. And we had a, um, it was called A Taste of the Mediterranean, and we had a little cooking class with an olive oil tasting. We made tapenade, and we made Italian um, amaretti cookies. So everyone got a care package box of all the ingredients. You just had to show up with your bowls and your spatula, and um, and everyone cooked together. And Mark, the most amazing thing was, People had their spouses there or their partners. They had their kids and everyone could see everybody. And it was just, it was amazing. Hmm. That's really cool. And it's actually, we have these discussions about lessons learned and what sort of comes with us as we emerge from being in a remote world. Most of it is about, you know, the advisor client dynamic that we've discussed here. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some changes there, of course. Um, But I love, you know, the way you just described how you're, using virtual platforms, right? To stay engaged and connected as a firm. Um, I also love that it's coming up on lunch here and I'm now starving because you just described your virtual holiday party <laughs> and I'm going to have to find a place that serves some tapenade here today. Um, and as, as you do look forward though, do you see any immediate and somewhat obvious opportunities to invest, 
make larger investments and leverage your technology even further? I think we will, and it might be on the compliance side, um, okay. where we're, we're, we're pretty slick already, but I see new technology coming down, for example, on the texting side, which is, you know, every advisor wants to be texting their clients, and there are ways to text your clients safely, but I, I see, you know, possibly investing in that. I think that would be just such a big lift for everybody, uh, because uh, we all have clients that are texting us, and, and we always have to say, hey, can't talk to you about that, you know, pick up the right. phone. So I think that that would be an area that would be a really big deal. Um, I see us doing more, um, you know, more webinars and getting better at it, um, getting getting more comfortable with it, and also just getting clients to adopt it more. And then finally, you know, DocuSign, which is, I mean, I, again, I thank God for DocuSign every day, but DocuSign's fantastic. The challenge is getting all the clients to adopt it. And most have, but there's still you know, like a chunk that won't. And so one of our challenges is to get our, um, our service team to connect with those clients and try to get them comfortable with that, because that has a huge impact on our productivity. Oh, absolutely. Uh, DocuSign was a lifesaver, still is to some extent, over the last year and a half. Um, and it's kind of hard to imagine living in a world without it. It, one just final question on the technology side, because before I transition and ask a couple of questions around you know, Dakota more broadly, you mentioned before, obviously, that Dakota is a large you know, RIA, a large wealth management firm. And from a technology perspective, you have resources that much smaller RIAs may not. So if you're if there's a smaller RIA firm that's actually listening to this now, is there anything you know, that is a sort of practical application, anything that they could potentially take away from your experience on the technology side that they could apply perhaps philosophically to their own business? The number one thing I would say for any firm of any size would be to have a good CRM. And we did have that at my prior firm. And in fact, I think we were a little bit more advanced than Dakota was at it. So we brought that to the firm. But having a good CRM, you know, we personally use Redtail. And um, we thought we had coined the phrase, if it didn't, if it's not in Redtail, it never really happened. I guess they <laughs> use that too, but we thought we made that up. <laughs> but implementing a good CRM like Redtail means that your memory issues go away, that you don't have to have sticky notes and little funky things in Outlook. We really run all of our processes through Redtail. And I have to say, Sometimes we look back, you know, six, seven years ago before we used it, we think, how on earth did we function? Mm -hmm. So that would be a, that would be something that I would really encourage advisors of any of any size, including smaller firms, to think about. The other thing I would mention is the importance of doing financial planning and having good financial planning software. And we use eMoney. Um, I've used others. There's there's several very very good ones out there. But sometimes smaller firms think, think they can't afford it or, which often happens, is they say, gosh, I'm really a money manager. I'm not a financial planner. I'm, I'm not going to offer that. And you know, my answer to that is to be bringing in students, financial planning students, um, mentoring them, bringing them in as interns, and then hiring them after they graduate. Because I think clients, once they start to see a platform like eMoney where there's a dashboard, where they can be integrating all their other accounts, and then, of course, doing all the wonderful projections and scenarios, that client's not going to leave you. Whereas that client might leave you if you're just managing their money. But if, if you also have those tentacles of planning around them, that the client is going to be much stickier. 
Yeah, I like I appreciate that you know, both points because in a lot of cases it's not just about having a CRM or having a financial planning tool. It's really about using it. Um, and I've done a ton of research over the years. It's amazing how many firms actually have a CRM but are using 10 to 20% of its capacity. So really, as you said before, if it's not in Redtail, then it doesn't exist. Making it part of your company's mm-hmm. central nervous system doesn't matter how big or how small you are. Love the way you've just positioned how it almost is, you know, the heartbeat or uh, the, the it really is the heart of the organization. Great advice there. More broadly, just looking at Dakota, you've been in the news a few times this year with some acquisitions that you've announced. And you know, I've had the opportunity to talk with Peter Ramondi over the years. And obviously he's been very active in that space for quite some time. Curious, I mean, when you look at the wealth management market and some of the growth opportunities that are out there, can you give us an overview of what your vision is and what the general M&A strategy is for growing the firm over this past year and into the future? So we made two very important acquisitions this year, um, Greg Horn in Pennsylvania and then Bonnie Stuhl in Virginia. And um, they were very strategic in the sense of wanting the right cultural fit. So we're not just out there just looking for people to join Dakota. We're looking for people who are going to be additive to our culture and and have a similar mindset of very high client service, but again, taking care of our team and our staff even before we take care of clients. It's just something very important to us. Greg in Pennsylvania brought in his team. Um, They're very strong in the alternative space. And uh, just bringing a lot of leadership and um, also some young energy and some of his colleagues as as well. So very exciting addition. And then uh, can't say enough about Bonnie Sewell and uh, her colleague, Jesse, who's actually her daughter-in-law, sitting for the CFP. In fact, one of Greg's team is also sitting for the CFP. So again, planning oriented, good cultural fit. Bonnie brings a great expertise in divorce, and so financial planning and investment matters related to divorce. So that was a perfect addition to Dakota because we have such a large percentage of female clients. So fun fact about Peter Ramonde, about over 80% of his clients are women, 80%, and he's a white guy. So go figure. So he's obviously doing something very, very right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. to have this, this group of extremely, it might even be 85%, it's a very, very high percentage of his clients are, are women and longtime clients. And so Bonnie coming in with this divorce expertise is just a great you know, complement to what we already have. Looking forward, you know, we're looking for like-minded people who really want to be part of a team. Uh, there's a lot of egos in this business. We're not looking for... Um, arrogant jerks. We're looking for really nice, kind people who want to be part of a very collaborative organization. Um, And we say no to a lot of firms who approach us, but we say yes to the right ones as well. I appreciate that. And I'm curious, when you talk about your client mix, I mean, how much of that having such a high concentration and working with women, how how has that actually contributed to your, your growth? I mean, we've seen research over the years that yeah, obviously suggest people who have a focus on a really well-defined market are growing faster than others. But I'm curious, you know, I know that that's obviously a huge priority for you. Um, and I did not realize to the extent that, you know, Peter was working with women. I mean, how has that directly translated to growth for Dakota, do you think? I think that a lot of women um, are not as confident as men about their money. 
Uh, mind you, they're no dumber than the men, but they're just not typically as confident. And so, you know, I know I've built my practice around, you know, I, I go after women, I go after really any kind of client that makes sense for me, uh, male or female, but um, myself, 50% are women, uh, which is actually, yeah. that, even that is a high percentage. I, I tend to think that it doesn't matter if you as an advisor or a male or a female, I think what matters is if you're a good communicator and you can really show you care and you stay in touch with your clients and you and you help them grow and nurture them just the way we nurture our advisors. And I think that that, it, it sounds so simple, but I can tell you that almost always when I take over a client from somebody else, it's not because of investment performance. It's because the client didn't think that the advisor cared or was paying attention to them. And that is a ridiculously common situation that I find. Hmm. And it's, it would seem like you're obviously well positioned to more and more of those conversations, especially with some of the teams you're adding, some of the acquisitions that you mentioned before. Um, and it also sounds like from a talent perspective, you've been, you've been expanding quite a bit. So before we, we wrap up, thank you so much for spending time with us, walking us through your tech strategy, your growth strategy, and giving us more insight into Dakota in general. As you look and we'll wrap up with an outlook question for you here, in 2022, what would you say, this is at a global sort of industry level, what are you expecting some of the sort of most significant advancements or perhaps changes in wealth management might be next year? I think, and I am hopeful, that the industry and the profession as a whole will deepen the focus on mentoring young talent. Because we have a, a we have an industry and a profession that is straining for talent right now. Everyone's fighting over talent, really, really in all jobs across all industries, but particularly wealth management. Um, and we all know the statistics. So I'm hopeful, and I see lots of signs that more and more people are going to be focusing on financial planning programs and finance programs at colleges and universities, looking for, you know, non-white advisors, non-male advisors, gay advisors, people of color, people of different backgrounds. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing some energy in that direction. I personally do a lot of my uh, volunteer work in that direction. And I think that we have some momentum there and we're going to see it kicking in more in 2022. Excellent. And I, I appreciate that. It actually Syncs with, we hosted our very first RIA Edge valuation and M&A workshop. And one of the lines that has just stuck with me for a while now is it's easier to acquire talent than it is to hire talent right now. Um, and this discussion about, you know, is there a talent shortage in the industry? There absolutely is when you're specifically looking for you know high quality individuals who can be in client facing roles. So I think what you just you know, described, we'll have to circle back in 12 months, right? <laughs> Appreciate you giving us a, a glimpse into the crystal ball, but I feel and see a lot of that same energy that you just mentioned. Um, and it feels like things are absolutely moving in the right direction. So Karina, thank you so much for taking some time to join the WellStack podcast. And I should also say, thank you for joining us at the rescheduled WellStack event well in advance, um, which will take place on May 31st through June 3rd. In, at the Diplomat Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. We are excited to have you participating in the event and thrilled to have you here today. So Karina, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, Mark. Rock on. And thank you to everybody for joining us here in this episode of the WealthStack podcast. Again, I'm Mark Bruno, Managing Director at Informa Connects Wealth Management Group. You can listen to a replay of this podcast or any of the other WealthStack, RIA Edge, 
or inside ETF podcast at wealthmanagement.com. On behalf of the wealth management team, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Wealth Stack Podcast. <laughs>